You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. TechFan64, welcome. Let go of my ego. Oh, you let go of my ego. No, let, let go of my ego. No, I want to eat the ego. It's, my, it's a waffle. It's, it's a waffle-like thing. It's not really a waffle. So I just hit record on GarageBand, and it literally took like three seconds before anything started happening. I keep telling you not to use that software. I know. I probably should look at something else. Just nothing that Guy uses. (laughs) Hey, I've got a good idea. Why don't you do the whole show on just an iPad? I was going to do it on iPod Touch. Yeah? Yeah. Why not? Go old school. Do it on an Android. Do you have a... Do you have Eggos in the UK? Uh, no, but I know what they are because of my American roots. Right. Yeah. If you're eating an Eggo, can you tell someone you're eating a waffle or is that disingenuous? Is an Eggo an actual, just a mass-produced waffle? Uh, I think a, an Eggo is a waffle-style product. But I, I, I suspect they put so much shit in it that it's not really a waffle as as you know, a traditional cook would consider it because they put the batter together. I mean, it's, it is a batter paste molded product, but then they must put so much stuff in it to make it survive being frozen and transported around the country and stuck in your freezer box for six months that I suspect it's, it's like waffle plus. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a waffle with, you know, little bits of blueberry and strawberry in those. Oh, I've not seen those ones. I've only ever had a plain ordinary Eggo. So they have blue, uh, the, the blueberry, strawberry. They have one that's original and one that's home style, and I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> but I, I, I don't remember making a home style Eggo at home before. Well, what, is, what does home style? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a nebulous concept. I mean. It de- home style depends on how good a cook you are. If you're a if you're a lousy cook, then home style will be undercooked and likely to give you botulism. Yeah, probably. But I'm sure they wouldn't sell that as a as a kind of a branded product. I, it also intrigues me when you see restaurants. I saw a few last week in San Francisco, and they'll say, you know, like home style cooking. Like, really? That's, why, why would you pay money to go out and eat something that tastes like you you cooked it at home? Well, I you know you, I wonder. You'd have, you'd have, is it you'd the? Ex- thought, go ahead. Yeah, you'd have thought the the concept would be well. If it wants to eat home style food, I'd just eat at home. If I you want, you'd have thought if you want to go out to a restaurant, you want to eat something that you aren't capable of cooking yourself. Right. Well, maybe it just means that the plates are chipped. You get you get. <laughs> You get mismatched silverware. Yeah, that's right. And, then, and it, I mean, real home style would be after you finish your meal, you'd have to bust the table yourself and then go and do the washing up. That's right. <laughs> Pro- probably the only ones that's truly home style are those restaurants that insult you. Yeah. I would think that would be more realistic. Well, that's it. I mean, for a home style for me, it would be a, a restaurant where 
when you sit down to eat, uh, people come and sit at the table with you and start having a go at you for something you might, you've either have done or haven't done. Or TV rises up next to you and you sit there and watch TV and don't say a word while you're eating. That's right, yeah. Although, in fact, that, that's, a lot of people kind of do eat like that now. They kind yeah. of get their, get their phones or their iPads and they're all sat staring at their screens. I was sat in a coffee shop a few weeks ago and uh, there was like these three teenage kids out with their mum. Uh, and she sat there drinking coffee and they've all got drinks in front of them, which they're not touching. And all three of them are staring down. Their faces are lit by that LED glow. And she looks at the three of them and she said, you lot are so sad. <laughs> That's what the mother said to the kids. Yeah. But, it, you know, they're being social. <laughs> yeah, they're being social with strangers. That's right. The people completely around them. Yeah. You know, I, and, and I must admit, I, I obviously as a, as a gadget geek, you'd think that I would be the one who would always be obsessed and staring at the gadgets. But my wife is much worse than me. I, there's been several times we've been with company and I've had to say to her, put the phone away, please. Yeah. You know, um, because she sat there. She gets bored. She just, you know, pulls the phone out and starts looking at Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it used to be if you just got bored, you'd just sit there with a stupid look on your face, kind of yeah. drifting off into the neither. Yeah, but now you're basically saying the you people in front of me are so boring that I'm going to uh, exchange electronic messages with people who aren't here. That's right. <laughs> who, who, if they were here, I would ignore as well. Exactly. That's the thing. As soon as, as soon as people turn up in flesh, it's like, oh, you're boring now. <laughs> Unless we're disconnected and, and talking through a screen, you're not exciting to me. You're not going to say anything witty in person, but you might on Facebook. Well, exactly. Well, I, I suppose that's one of the that's one of the beauties of, of social media is that it gives you a chance to either steal or uh, you know spend the time to think of something fairly hilarious to say. I know. Or at least that's that's what you think of when you when you start typing it. Often, once you've sent it, you think, oh, maybe that wasn't so funny. I know you're not a big uh, Facebook user. No. But I, I tell you, I'm getting tired of these people who will post pictures and the pictures just have words on them and they're meant to be clever and yeah. i think why you know why it's, it's like people on people on twitter who post a picture of their of their twitter screen with a tweet on it and that that basically says i think this is amusing but i'm far too lazy to actually retype it or even put a link to it I'm actually just going to grab a screenshot and drag it into a tweet. Which is really more work. Well, yeah, but I I guess less button presses. I think some people measure their uh, interactivity. So David lost his internet again. We were were late starting because of no no David internet. Yeah. So, but you're at your place of employment. I am. As I, as I as I do regularly, it's quieter than being at home. But um, but no, they, we just I just went over and said what's happened to the internet because I know they had a problem with one of our other sites earlier on today, and they went oh nothing. I said but it just disconnected me and the, the internet connection on my uh, Ethernet cable completely went out. Oh that's strange. <laughs> so I said you haven't you haven't done anything to reconnect the other site by flipping the internet on or off or anything like that have you? And they said no, but their eyes said yes. And I'm thinking, why don't you just give me a straight answer? Covering just, their ass. Yeah. 
But, but why find fly in the face of facts? We we both know full well what happened. So why pretend that it didn't happen? You know. And then, so add insult to injury, the head of IT, who knows I'm the, the Mac freak who sits in the corner of the office with all the gear, goes, oh, you haven't plugged anything strange into the network today. And I, I strange. Went, strange. Like, yeah, a banana. <laughs> exactly. I, pl- I plugged that banana in. Does you know, that count? I thought we moved past this about 15 years ago no. where Macs were considered to do odd things to the network when you plug them in. Oh, you know, I can't have those Apple packets flying around the network because they're different from Windows packets. <laughs> I would say I'm surprised, but I'm really not. I mean... No, no, I, I was really tempted to say, yeah, it's the soul of Steve Jobs running through our network trying to uh, set you the area of your ways. That's right. <laughs> It was a banana. I, I knew I shouldn't have put the banana in the Ethernet jack. Yeah. Keeps it warm. Right. I'm now going to make up a cable that wires up a 13-amp um, uh, plug directly to an Ethernet socket and then stick it <laughs> in. See how they deal with that? <laughs> I'll say something. Hey, maybe that socket's not live. Stick a screwdriver in and see how it works. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so it's, it's, yeah. So, uh, Macworld was last week. Yeah. I don't know whether to call it Macworld or iWorld. It had two names. And I, uh... Which was a, a bad move, I think, from the start. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, well, I, I There's a transitional period. Well, I understand that. I mean, clearly it's trying to change from what it was into something else. But in, in my, sort of, from my perspective, it, it was really weird because I knew it was on, and yet there was very little news coming out of it. And then all the news kind of hit at the weekend after it finished, which was kind of odd. And I thought, really, the IDG people should have made sure that didn't happen. Well, they can't really, you know... No, well, they can. They can make sure that the press gets the information at the start of the show or on the end. They could have a pre-press day or something like that if they really wanted to do that. Mm. The difficulty they have is they're, they're trying to move it from... Um, a uh, a trade show to kind of a, like a you know an enthusiast event, but you're not going to enthusiast to come unless they think it's worth coming, and you're not they're not going to think it's worth coming unless there's lots of press about it. Well, there's a lot of people there. I mean, if you strictly go by numbers, I would say it was a success. Right. There was a lot of people there, especially. I mean, there was a, a line to get in, snaking around the corner on Saturday. Yeah. Um. I think three days is too short, mm-hmm. but it feels it feels good while you're there. You're ready to go yeah. after the third day. Yeah. Um, I, I got two or three requests to be on other podcasts as the guy who didn't like MacWorld. I don't know how that got around. I now, granted, I I had a bad week, but it being at MacWorld was incidental to the week itself. So it wasn't Macwell's fault that no, he had a bad mood? No, no. No, it wasn't. Okay. I, 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 yeah, no, I'm not going to blame Paul Kent and his crew for, you know. I, 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 as I say, I, my, the problem is when you know it's on and you're not hearing anything about it, that starts to worry you. Um, and, and I saw a lot of stuff that came out kind of Sunday, Monday, after it finished, and I was thinking, it really, and maybe it's maybe it's the fault of the of the guys who are covering it, and they're just you know they haven't got enough people there to actually go and look and stuff and interview stuff and then write about it 
at the time. Maybe they feel they need to go around and kind of collect it all up and then deliver it afterwards. But, it, you know, to me, it's slightly bizarre that, that effectively people are kind of reporting an event after it's finished. When, Isn't you know, that the whole, usually the way it happens, though? Uh, no, the, the whole point about blogging and the live internet is that you get the stuff as it happens and then you can respond to it. Um, you know, there must have been quite a few people, particularly in San Francisco, which is kind of one of the tech hubs of the States, who would have thought nothing was really going on. And then maybe afterwards they see all this coverage and think, oh, I wish I'd made the time to go and see it on Saturday. Yeah. It's not really the press's job, though. No, but that's the point I'm trying to make. I think... Um, well, that's if, IDG. I mean, IDG needs yeah, to... Yeah, that, but that's... I, I think IDG needs to think about how the press coverage of the event is handled. If they want if they want to build something that's going to be sustainable in the long term, I think they do need to make sure that the thing the thing generates enough interest to bring people in. I read a, uh, a quote from Paul Kent. I don't know if it was right before the expo or during the expo. I think it was right before the expo. And uh, he said for for, uh, every company that's showing on the floor that there's two people from the press there. Now, my Mac had, you know, like nine people. We are by far the largest contingent of from one organization, you know, covering the event as press. Yeah. Um, With the possible exception of Macworld Magazine. But honestly, I... I didn't see very many Macworld. I saw a lot of freelance guys that do write for Macworld, but that's not their main gig. Yeah. And uh, they said for every vendor, there's two tech press. I don't know if that's a good thing. I I, I don't think it is. No, I don't think so either. And, and as I said, the coverage they got for that did not reflect the, um, you know, those those guys must have just been kind of trolling the floor collecting stuff and then writing about it you know way off the thing's finished and to me you need to be writing about it when it's there well but then you don't have the it's a balancing act you you have three days if you're going to be there all three days so you go to this thing and then you go write about it writing about it's going to take five times longer than the thing you went to so if I go to uh, booth A, or yeah. or if I go to let's say the OWC booth, which I did a spot for the uh, the My Mac podcast from the OWC booth. So yeah. I go to MacWorld. I go to the MacWorld booth at noon, and I'm there for fifteen minutes. I spend the first five minutes chatting with the guys that I know because I did a a gig with OWC for a while. Yeah. And then I record for five minutes and then I talk to him for another five minutes, but let's assume that I'm going to have a written piece, not a podcast. Okay. Yeah. So at that point I have to go back to the press room, sit down and write it. It's going to take at least A half hour to write the piece. Yeah. So that's a half hour I'm not going to have on the showroom floor. Mm. So would you rather read more complete coverage after the event? Or would you rather see less coverage from me because I have to write it right then, according to what you said? You, 
I, I, I'm at the booth and I should report on it. Well, it depends. It depends on the style of the publication. But from from my perspective, and this is somebody who you know is had no opportunities to go this year, um, but was really wondering what was going to be at the show, what was going to be on, uh, how everything was going to be presented. Yeah, I was interested in new products. Well, I was interested in other things as well. I was interested in what the tech talks were going to be about, what the tech talk, the guys who are doing some of the tech talks were saying about the state of uh, iOS and the Mac. And but the does it matter if you hear if you hear what they're saying Thursday night or well, Sunday morning? It, it, I'd prefer to see it here at Thursday night. Uh, I'd prefer it, that. It, it make, yeah, it, I, from, from, from my perspective, it makes me feel more connected to the event for one. And secondly, because the web is an interactive medium, I'd like the opportunity for, you know, if I read something particularly interesting, uh, to be able to uh, send an email to either the company or the uh, blogger concerned or something saying, well, you know, you, you didn't mention this or you only glanced on this. What, what, what did they say or, or what could they do? And give an opportunity for, for potentially to enrich the story by going back and following up. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you don't get that if, if somebody basically collects all the material and then goes home and writes it all up on a Sunday or a Monday after the show's done. But there's really not that kind of a that, – that's really not what the show is. It's it's well, not – my my. a lot of people, you know, came away with the impression that I didn't enjoy the show. Um, probably I'm coming at it from a different perspective as a longtime Macworld attendee. I've never gone as just, you know, a fanboy. I've always gone yeah. as press. And so, as press, I've been covering this event for blah, blah, many years, over a decade. And Macworld was this thing, but it's not that thing anymore. No. And nor was it really billed as that thing anymore. I mean, all of... Yeah. Well, you look at the marketing for it. It's the ultimate iFan event. I think that was the, the catchphrase, something similar. Yeah. It was never it was never that before. I mean, it no. was geared towards attending the show and and having an experience, coming and seeing and doing and leaving. It was Probably. less about the showroom floor than it's ever been. No, I I appreciate that and I'm not I'm not discounting that whatsoever. But the point is is that that whole track that wasn't about the show floor got virtually no coverage at all. People presumably were in those talks from the press. Yeah, they weren't talking about what what people were saying. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've been to I you know I, I went to VMworld in in um, Las Vegas last October, and that that's obviously that's that's focused on a particular group of products and services and the stuff that goes around that, mm-hmm. and that is modelled very much like um, MacWorld stroke iWorld is now in that they have a show floor but it's fairly small. Um, it's fairly focused, and it's not the uh, main hub of the event. The main hub of the event is all the industry talks and the Q and A sessions, and the you know learning experiences and the you know reveling in look we can do this, look we can do that type of sessions, which is what people pay to go to that thing to do, and they pay a lot more than you pay to go to Macworld to do. Now, when that is reported in the particularly in that you know that niche press that looks at virtualization. 
yeah, they won't, won't talk about new launches or new products or anything. They'll talk about what Paul Moritz, the head of VMware, said about their strategy going forward. They'll talk about, you know, some of the leaders in the industry and they talk about influences and changes in, in the industry. Now, obviously, that's a very much business-focused thing, but I, I was kind of expecting this year that Macworld stroke iWorld would be that IDG will be promoting that sort of press coverage. Because, but that didn't happen because for a, Well, no, it, well the, the, the whole point about this iFan track, this $80 ticket, this iPass, whatever it was called, was it was meant to encourage people to go to those sorts of events. And because they're not covered, the issue I have with it is that somebody who might be on the fence about maybe whether they should make the effort to go to the show next year, if they're not being shown what's different about it apart from the trade show aspect, they're going to think well there's nothing there and they're not going to go and what will happen over time is the thing will start to dwindle and that's not what I want to see happen. I think, you know from talking to people like you and, and, and talking to a couple of other people who were actually there, they are going it's a different event now and it's a great event now and it's in some respects more enjoyable than it's ever been but if that's not being promoted and discussed in the press then people aren't going to go on a long-term basis and the thing will wither and die and i think idg needs to address that seriously before next year they need to be thinking how can we turn this into an event that gets covered so that people understand what's being delivered to the punter who turns up to encourage people to come and I'm not, I'm not seeing that at the moment. I'm not seeing that, that at all. I think it's been covered by a lot of organizations in the way they always covered it. But, um, uh, but the IDG doesn't have any say on how we cover stuff. Well, they, Nor would they, I allow no, they, them to. They don't, they, no, they don't. I'm not saying they have a say, but they, they can influence and they can structure the event to get what they want out of the press. These people are marketers. They know how to how to uh, feed a story to the to the press and give a an idea of the press make them under, the press understand what the event is so that they then that cover probably it in would a have way been more, more appropriate yeah that probably would have been yeah. helpful because yeah. my perception going there initially was it's macworld but it really wasn't macworld not the way it was and i'm not saying that's good yeah. or bad it's we don't live in those times anymore that's yeah you're not going to get the big companies to come out and and put a booth up and man it with you know sixty people for a week. It's just it's not going to happen. No, no. Um, but you, you know, if you want to build buzz and word of mouth, you need to kind of st- structure it and plan for it rather than just hope it happens by default. Which is, I think, what IDG are doing. Yeah. You know, I I had planned on doing a uh, tech fan every day of the week while I was there, but I ended up doing one. Yeah. Just didn't. I was having a bad week, and I just didn't feel like it. You know, it was one of those things that's just like, meh. No. Yeah. Um, And again, that's on me. That's not on IDG. You know, stuff happened on the very first day that set me off, and I never quite recovered my enthusiasm that I usually display while I'm there. Yeah. It was a beautiful week. The, the weather was just nice. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it was great meeting some new MyMac people for the first time in person. Vicky and uh, Tom. Yeah. And, of course, the gang that shows up occasionally or sometimes all the time. Like, you know, Guy, I've seen him for the last five years at Macworld. Uh-huh. Nemo is his first trip back in, you know... I think 2009 was his last show. 
Yeah, yeah. So it was nice yeah, to see him. Because he wasn't there the last time I was there. Yeah. No, and he uh, he was only there one day this year because he got sick. Mm. But his presence was definitely felt while he was there. Um, Mark Rudd came down. And uh, Owen showed yeah. up on the second La- day. Larry was there. I saw him in a couple of photos. Mm-hmm. In fact, they, this you know this uh, storm in the teacup that's going on around violet, violet blue at the moment. Yes, Larry's in that picture. <laughs> Larry's in that picture. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was going. I was going to. I was going to mention that to Larry, but I thought nah, maybe he doesn't want to draw attention to himself in that picture. Well, you know, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not the story. The. It's not that particular blogger's finest hour by any stretch of the imagination. No, do you want to explain? Um, no, I, the listeners might not know yeah, what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, okay. So, so what? So basically, what happened is Violet Blue, who is a, a well-known, um, she started kind of as a as a as a sex and sexuality blogger, but she also does tech stuff too. Um, I have no idea who she is. No, well, I I only know of her peripherally. Yeah. But anyway, she she. Um, she kind of has has this real sort of feminism, uh, particularly feminism in tech streak, and she tr- she has a tradition of coming to these events and kind of finding some sort of fen- fe- feminism dirt and, and you know kind of making a big big deal out of it. And that's kind of her shtick, yeah. right? A couple of years ago at WWDC, she you know she got into a fight with a few people. Um, I think we, I think she got into a, a, an argument with. Um, um, Jim Dalrymple over uh, over some comments he said she she took them the wrong way or something you know and, but she courts controversy and she delights in controversy and as I say that's her shtick. What she did this year is she went to MacWorld and she took a picture of um, this this girl sat at one of these little tiny um, kind of you know one one stop shop developer booths um, that they have there you know they kind of have these iOS style. Yeah. Uh, you know things where you know they're they're fairly low, they're low impact on the show floor. But you know if you, they're a good way for small companies to get presence at MacWorld. And she took a picture of this this girl sat on a stool looking kind of bored and a bit tuned out. Uh, and the girl's wearing a tight t-shirt. And she kind of said, you know, oh, this is the saddest looking booth babe at MacWorld. Uh, and of course, you know what she's trying to say there is that a booth babes are are. Um, you know, prehistoric, and secondly, they don't work. And look at this poor bored girl being made to do this. The problem is, it turns out the girl isn't a booth babe; she is the actual developer. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the picture is a snapshot in time, and she just happened to catch this girl when she was looking a bit bored. You know, but she's not a booth babe. A booth babe, and um, Violet apparently didn't bother to go and speak to her to actually find that out and find out that she was in fact a developer and probably something somebody who in another context she will be celebrating as a girl in tech um and uh, a few other people like sean king and and a couple of uh, his crew have kind of uh and john gruber has, has commented on this as well have kind of said you know look Violet, this is pretty bad journalism, and you know this is the normal sort of stuff you do. You know, you like to make a big load of fuss, but you don't find out the facts. And of course, you know it's turned into a bit of a then turned into a bit of an online slagging match because she's posting comments left, right, and centre, and 
you know, refusing to apologise and CDNet, who she, she posted this in her refusing to apologise and, you know, it's it's one of those controversy things. But the thing is, this photo with this girl, bored girl in it, you know, <laughs> anybody who knows Larry will, will spot him straight away because he kind of has a... He's almost a, the focus a, of the picture. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's right there, but he's not facing the camera. So, right. you know, but, but you can recognize his profile straight away because he's a, he's a, you know, like many of the, uh, uh, many, many of Guy and his family, he has, they have the, uh, a particular uh, kind of look and style that if you know them, you immediately can see it, you know, and, uh, you know, and I just thought it's, I just thought it's funny because, Larry, it's, and I think I tweeted you the other day, he's probably the nicest person yep. I've ever met. He yep. is absolutely a beautiful, beautiful guy. <laughs> which, makes it, just, which makes it all the more delicious that he's in yeah, this photo that's getting all the controversy. That, that's, you know, it's the, the, the war against the bloggers and the sex blogger about booth babes, and there's poor old Larry stuck in the middle of it. <laughs> we, uh, here, here's a little funny story from Macworld. The show's over. We're... Guy and I are taking basically the red eyes out of San Francisco that night, yeah. Saturday night, which was hard for me because I woke up Saturday morning and I didn't go to bed until Sunday night. So yeah. it makes for a long 48 hours. So, you know, we go, we have dinner. Uh, Owen had originally, Owen Rubin had originally told, you know, Guy and I that he'd drive us to the airport. Yeah, because he's local, isn't he? Yeah, but it's it was hour it was six seven hours until we had to go, and I didn't. It, guy and I didn't want to hold him up for that long, no. you know. Yeah. So we we told him that's fine. We'll just get a shuttle, you know. So, but we had time to kill, and uh, I didn't want to spend any money go do any touristy things, and you know. Yeah. So we went. We walked back to our hotel where our bags were waiting for us, and Larry was actually staying another night, so he still had a room in the hotel. Um, we go to a restaurant around the corner and then we're just basically hanging out at the hotel smoking cigarettes until the shuttle bus is going to arrive at 9 o'clock. And as we're sitting there in the lobby, me, Guy, and uh, Larry, yeah, these eight or nine women come out. I'm, I'm, uh, let me... I'm going to text you a picture here okay because really it's let me find it i gotta so paint us a picture with your with your voice yeah for those 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 people listening at home i'm going to save this image i'm i'm texting it right now because i think okay it, it it works better if you can see the picture since i'm talking to you about this okay all right now now the the picture i'm sending right now and it's through iMessage on the iPhone it's sent. You should have it any second. So And here it is. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. So so we're in the lobby and these eight or nine This is this is like very it's like, Yeah, it's be- like Attack of the Kardashians. It, yeah, and there the, uh, these girls come down out of the elevator. Wow. And they're all eighteen to twenty, I'm gonna guess. And yeah, every one I- of them are wearing these, those, are, those are some fairly short hemlines. Yes. They they all have these little cocktail dresses on that are very skin tight, very yeah. slinky. And we're sitting there, and of course, 
you know, every guy that comes by is just like, what? Yeah. And at one point, they want their picture taken. So one of the girls pulls from her purse a white iPhone and hands it to uh, somebody that works there in the hotel. You know, the, the guy in the, yeah. it, that helps you with your bags and all that. Bellhop, yeah. Bellhop, yeah. Yeah. And he's looking at the phone and looking at them, and he has no clue on how to use this thing to take a picture. Right. Well, some of the dishwasher type of guys had been hovering around the back because they saw these girls. And one of them immediately jumps in. I'll take the picture. I'll take the picture. And they ask, do you know how to use it? And they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he stands there for a minute, and he's looking at the camera and looking at them. And and then one of the girls comes up and says, thank you, and looks at it. And she goes, you didn't even take a picture. Well, I, I saw my moment. Yep. You were now, be the you got to remember me. you got to remember, I'm sitting there with a black jacket on that I picked up at Apple. If you look at any of the pictures at my Mac, you'll probably see me in this jacket. And it has the Apple logo on it. Uh-huh. And I, and I was actually feeling kind of sorry for these girls that no one could figure out how to take a picture. And they clearly wanted someone to take their picture. Yeah. So I walk up there and I say, and I go, give me the camera. I know how to, to use it. And I show them my white iPhone. Yeah. And in unison, they all go, oh, like, oh, he could do it. <laughs> and then I point at the logo on my coat and a more knowing, oh, logo. <laughs> and it was so funny. So I took a couple pictures for my hand and back. And they're all, thank you. It was so funny. But the picture I sent you, Guy actually took about five minutes before that actually happened. You know what? Guy's a player because he managed to take the picture and they didn't notice. <laughs> Another funny thing happened. We were sitting there before the picture-taking thing. And this older couple comes in, and they're probably both in their early 70s. And he is not walking very well. And she's kind of helping him. And he keeps stopping every five feet to stare at these girls. And she's <laughs> kind of tugging him along and laughing about it. It, it, so was, it was funny. There's a case of writing checks with your mind that your body can't honor. Mm. <laughs> Just because you're on a diet doesn't mean you can't look at the menu. Yeah, exactly. So let's take a quick break here, and uh, David and I will be right back. I wonder if anybody knows about my great podcast, Pocket Size Podcast, where I talk all about iOS devices, iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Apple TV. Does anybody listen? Excuse me, sorry to interrupt, but I couldn't help overhearing you, and I just wanted to tell you that I listen to Pocket Sized Podcast. You do? Is it because of the wonderful product reviews? No. Is it because it's short and concise and it covers all your favorite Apple devices? No. Is it because I'm a genius and you think I'm the greatest podcaster ever? No. Well, then what is it? Why do you listen to Pocket Size Podcast? Because I'm your dad. Okay, now I'm going to get beaten up by all the other podcasters. You don't have to be my dad to listen to Pocket Size Podcast from the Stoplight Network. Find us at PocketSizePodcast.com. We're all about Apple's iOS devices like iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. We're short, we're to the point, and eh, you may like us, even if you're not my dad. So I did something, David, uh, two days ago that I've been meaning to do for a long time. I was sitting at my uh, in my office at work. 
And I get a message popped up via growl that my Dropbox is full. Now, you use Dropbox, yes? I do. Yeah. A lot of people have signed up for that free 2 gigabyte Dropbox account. Yeah, that's why. And, and it's good for moving documents back and forth. But you have to manage it at 2 gigs, especially if you're using shared folders with people, which I do as part of the Stoplight Network. We... We have ads. Guys, you know, will send me their shows via Dropbox, and it gets it gets full. Yeah, and I remember when we first started doing that, we were using my Dropbox, and a certain Mister Searle dropped a huge video file in and completely bombed it out. Yes, and that can happen. <laughs> so, uh, that can happen. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's 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 a problem. I, I mean, I I tend to use mine mostly for documents. Yeah. So um, it can hold quite a lot. But as soon as you start putting media in there, then 2 gig isn't very much at all. Well, if you're on a Mac and you go up to the Dropbox uh, drop-down menu, it will tell you, you know, what the percentage yeah. of... And mine has always hovered for the last year at 97% full. Uh-huh. So finally, yeah. you know, I'm sick of babysitting this Dropbox folder. I just went and spent 99 bucks for a year for the 50 gig version of Dropbox. Uh huh. When I click it now, I didn't move any files out or anything. It says 3.8% of 50 gigabytes used. Yeah. Which I found kind of humorous. But I, I'll be interested to know how close, by the end of the year when that renews, how much of it you've used. Because I reckon it'll be back up at 97% again. No, I'll still, you know, it, I, I'll, I'm not going to start putting huge video files and stuff like that in there. I just want it so I don't have to worry whether it's full or not. Yeah, yeah. Because then I'm going to miss I'm, something important until I move shit around. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, because I have a variety of... I've paid for... Um, I, I paid for some extra iCloud storage. Um, I have... I use something called Pogo Plug, which I've talked about before. Uh-huh. It allows you to share um, devices or drives from your home network. Um, and they recently extended that to give you some cloud storage as well. So they, they, I think I've I got an introductory offer, so I think I've got 10 gig of cloud storage plus whatever I've got at home. Um, and the Pogo Plug's really good because occasionally I'll need a file that I haven't got, um, particularly like software in, uh, installation files and things like that, and they're all sat in my drive at home. Now with the Pogo Plug, I can actually um, access my shared folders at home and actually download that file as if I was pulling it down off... Um, you know, mega upload or something like that. I just download it over the network, and it takes about an hour or so for something large, but it means I can get the software installation file without having to remember to bring it in on a USB stick or something. So uh, so that's pretty cool. But, I love um, me Dropbox. I think it's a fantastic service. The beauty of Dropbox is that so many things support it. Yeah. You know, on the iOS device, most of the apps you buy now uh, have Dropbox integration, so... You know, you can, uh, and, and I use it all the time. You can, uh, in, the fact is that you can just throw something in there and then you know all your devices have it immediately is amazing. I, uh, when I started the uh, OWC gig, actually it was before I started it, uh, he, Larry mentioned of uh, an online thing that may or may not happen. I don't, I don't really remember. And I don't know if it, he ever moved ahead with it or what. He was kind of soliciting, you know, my opinion. Yeah. And I told him straight out, I said, dude, just buy Dropbox. Get that, buy that company. Because at this time, they weren't a big deal. Yeah. And he said, what's Dropbox? So I explained it to him. I said, it's going to become 
something that everyone's using. If you want something like that, just buy that. You won't go wrong. Of course, he whether they would have sold it to him is another matter entirely. I don't know. But God, but this was before. Was it, was, no, was this Dropbox, was yeah. Was Dropbox the one where Apple tried to buy them and they couldn't? Yes, but that was at, yeah. But that was way after. That was when they were already starting to hit their stride yeah. and, and getting a lot of word of mouth. This was before most people had even heard of Dropbox. Yeah. Of course, there's no guarantee that if if Larry at OWC had bought Dropbox, that it would be the success that it is today. He could have no. changed something, and you know. But he has a pretty good track record of success so i think he i think it we'd still be in the same situation except they would own dropbox yeah but regardless it's it's uh it's well worth the 99 dollars to me just to be able to to put stuff in there and not worry that i'm full well not not only that we used to pay more for mobile me and (laughs) considerably less function than dropbox was and it was more expensive Wasn't it? Wasn't it more? Wasn't it around about the same, or maybe yeah, a bit more? I don't know. I, I think it was right around that. I think it was like ninety nine or one twenty nine, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But it was, you know, it was terrible. But we lived with it because you know it was kind of the first of its kind like that. Yeah. So I've been. Uh, it was a while back now, probably a month ago, that I said we'd revisit the whole Kindle Fire. And uh, I'm still using it pretty much on a daily basis, but. I'm not using it the same way I'm using my iPad. I'm right. I'm I'm reading a lot more on the Kindle Fire than I am on the iPad. I think the form factor, honestly, for reading novels is better on the Kindle Fire than it is on the iPad app, either iBooks or the Kindle on the iPad. To me, it's a personal yeah. preference. It's easier to read. It's the the size is just right for laying in bed or sitting on the couch reading. Um, yeah, you know when you on my couch, for instance, if I put my iPad on the the, the you know the armchair part, it takes the whole space. Not so with a Kindle Fire. It's just yeah, it's there. It's easier to knock the iPad off when I leave it sitting on the couch than the Kindle Fire. I still don't have a case for it, though. I need to get a case. I need to buy a... I don't want to spend a lot of money on a case. Just something that... You know, like a little leather flap case type of thing. Yeah. You know what? I take that back, David. I did buy something last week before Macworld. I bought a... uh, It's coming from Overstock.com. I bought a little leather flip case for it. It hasn't arrived yet. I forgot. Yeah, I I completely forgot about that. I just remembered. I only spent like eight bucks for it, too. And and now you've forgotten and remembered. It's like you're getting it for free. It's like a Christmas present. <laughs> I tell you, uh, talking of cases, I've got the, um, you know, the company Twelve South. Yeah, who does the, the yeah, really yeah, interesting yeah. Products. I got yeah, yeah. the uh, got the book book for both my iPad and my iPhone. Yeah, I bought the book book for. Um, who did I get? No, I didn't buy it. They sent it for review. Yeah, and I gave it to someone because it was for a computer that I didn't have. Right, I was okay, I was yeah, quite I, impressed with the way it looks. It really does look like a book. I I I tell you because one of the problems I have, I travel a lot, and I do feel self conscious if I go out to a restaurant or something with my iPad, kind of walking around with it, even if it's in a bag, because you know most computer bags they look like computer bags. Right. They, 
you know, it's you 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 kind of have they imagine have imagine they have this uh, neon sign floating over them saying "Steal me." So uh, the beauty of the book book, and I have genuinely seen this happen now, where people literally do think it's a book. Yeah, it looks like a beat up old notebook. It does. I like yeah. it. Yeah, and then when you unzip it and the iPads inside, and it's a good case. Yep. It, it's very very. Cobb's well a cool company. I like a lot of the stuff they yeah. make. And so so I I. Was and I got the uh, I got the iPad case a while back, and I was kind of umming and arguing about whether to get the iPhone case. Um, and I thought, you know, I was thinking, oh well, the, would it make the iPad, the iPhone, too bulky and this? And I had the iPhone in the slip case before that. But uh, I recently I had to go to Apple and actually have the screws tightened up on it because the back was becoming loose. And I thought, well, maybe I should, you know. Uh, protect it a little bit more than I do. So I got one, and yeah, I absolutely adore it. It's uh, did I really did cool. I tell you the uh, the story behind Twelve South? You did not. The uh, I'm hoping I don't get it wrong. the The guy who started Twelve South was the lead designer at Griffin. Yeah. And back when he was having his way, Griffin was making outstanding products. But they basically, as the story was told to me, um, he kind of fell out of favor and they stopped listening to him. And the products they started churning out were kind of garbagey. And oh, so... You mean, you mean they, they pulled the Belkin? Yes, basically. Or Targus, maybe. Um, yeah. So he got frustrated, quit, and started his own company. And it's only named 12 South because that's the address where it was located. Right, and then he started doing his own designs, and that's you're seeing the fruits of that now. They they really are the kind of uh, they're the they, apple it, of the accessory the apple, makers. That was exactly what I was going to say. Yes. You know, it, it, the attention to detail is amazing, and yeah, I'm just absolutely it's adoring clever it. I never, designs I never I would, and functionality. Yeah, I would never thought I would love an iPhone case like I like I adore this thing. It really is. It's basically, you mean an iPad? You know, same, the, uh, well, the, the iPhone one. Oh, particular. you got the little iPhone one, yeah. The little iPhone one. I love it even more than the iPad one. Um, it has kind of a little s- slot for a credit card and that sort of thing. And when it's closed, y- your um, your iPhone looks like a, a tiny little diary. A you know, I'm, diary. I'm, not, I'm not a religious guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I remember these tiny little Bibles. Yeah. That I used to it, see everywhere. The little orange Bibles. You remember those? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I always thought, make an iPhone case like that because no one will ever steal the damn thing. This is this is exactly what it looks like, you know, and it, and it just is, is really, really nice. Uh, very well thought out. Um, they're, they're not cheap. Well, but you really, you know, I, I, but, but we're Apple users. We, we, we expect to pay a little bit more for quality. Yeah, but, but in terms of, you know, you, by the fact that you can pick up, you know, cheap old cases for uh, kind of $5, $10, these are substantially more expensive. But, I, you know what, I've never regretted anything I've ever <coughs> bought for them. You know, I, I, have, I have quite a few of their products, and, and they're always fantastic. That's awesome. So we should probably wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Um, next week, David, I won't be able to do the show at the regular scheduled time. I'll be in Chicago. Okay. Well, we'll see where you, where you are when, and maybe we can do it earlier in the week. Yeah. Otherwise, absolutely. we'll maybe we'll do a, one of us will do a solo show. Yeah. Well, or you know, you know what I'd like to do? Honestly, I'd like to start instead of just the the back and forth dialogue, which I enjoy. Don't get me wrong. Um, maybe we should start thinking about bringing in people from the tech field uh developers and 
companies and stuff like that and have real conversations with them. Less an yeah. interview, more of a, uh, you know, go ahead and plug your product, but then we're going we're gonna to talk. Well, again, again, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show about, um, uh, you know, how Macworld, iWorld could be promoted, I, that's the sort of thing I find interesting. It's, it's somebody who's in the industry, what their, what's their perspective on the industry? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it doesn't, uh, we're tech fans, so it doesn't have to be Mac or Apple, it can be anything. Yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to get a couple of games designers on. Talk to them about about you know the process of. Well, you're a co-host here, games. man. Just send them an yeah, email. Yeah, I, I will. I will do that. I will. Why don't, why don't you on. do that? Why for next week? Why don't you see if you could find someone that you could ch- chat with? Sounds like a plan. I mean, it's kind of I short like notice, you but think. you know those those guys are are especially the well, iOS is, developers. They're they're dying for some you know yeah, attention. And it's and it's the sort of thing that that can be. F- Fitting around people's schedules as well, right. you know, quick, quick twenty-minute, half-an-hour conversations. Right. Yeah. Okay, I, I think we'll it'd be interesting. I, I'd just like to do more of that because I'd like to get some other perspective on the show of what's going on in the tech world and and bringing some attention to some really cool stuff that I like. You know, yeah. Like there's some really good apps out there, and people are buying them, but you don't know anything about the developer because nobody's ch- talking to these people. Yeah. Let, let's talk to them. I think it'd be fun. Definitely, definitely. Let's uh, let's get it done. Well, uh, that's my mission. Should I choose to accept it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, David and I will wrap this up. If you'd like to send us feedback, we'd love to hear from you. It's uh, feedback at mymac dot com or tim at mymac dot com. Either one works. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm at mymac, and I'm at David B Cohen. And you won't find me on Facebook. You won't find. Yeah, you'll find mymac if you. Uh, if you really want to be nice, <laughs> I'm not going to create a, 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 a fan page type of thing for tech fan on Facebook. If somebody else does, that's fine. Um, I, I'm just not going to do that myself. Uh, there's a, uh, a MyMac fan page, MyMac.com. So if you like that, uh, you can also, you know, post comments there. Because I always post anytime a new tech fan goes up on that page, so... You can post comments there. In the meantime, make sure you check out the rest of the shows in the Stoplight Network. Just go to stoplightnetwork.com. You'll see a link to all the different shows that are in the network. They're all fantastic. I think you'll like every single one of them if you like this show. And they're all worth your time to listen to. And it doesn't cost you anything, and that's kind of cool. And in the meantime, if you do want to support the show, simply go up to mymac.com. And click the Amazon banner on the right-hand side of the page. doesn't matter what you're going to buy on Amazon. If you go through MyMac first, we'll wet our beak a little bit and uh, help pay for all this free content that's being provided. Dave and I were talking actually before we started recording that wouldn't it be cool if this was our full-time gig? We could do a two-hour show every day, stream it live. That'd be fun, David. It It would be good. One day. One day. One day when we're independently wealthy. Hmm. Maybe we'll do that and become independently wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) Problem problem is we need to be independently wealthy to be able to afford to do that to become independently wealthy. Uh, Homelessness is not as bad as it sounds. Yeah, but very poor Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Talk to you later, David. Bye.